Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome, everyone, to episode 66 of the Stardom Cast. I'm your host, Matt Turner. I hope everybody's doing well today. It's a beautiful day, beautiful day to be alive. I hope this podcast is finding everybody well. Enough of the small little small talk and chit-chat. Everybody wants to know what's going on with the podcast. So I'm just going to be up front and tell you what's going on. We're back, baby. We're back like Jordan 95, like Punk in 21, like Kari Sane in 2022. We're back. Well, I'm back. So what's going to happen is for the foreseeable future, it's just going to be a one-man show for now. So basically, uh, what has happened is I'll tell you I'll tell you a story. I've always been open with the listeners, with the fans, with the family here. Um, it's not going to tell you the full story because it's really not my story to tell. So what had happened is uh, Rob had sent me a text message a few weeks ago saying he was burnt out from the podcast. He had a lot going on in his life and he needed to take time off. Obviously, I said, hey, buddy, no problem. You know, You take care of you first podcast will always be here for you so a couple days were were going by and wasn't sure what I was going to do I obviously wanted to continue the podcast and continue talking about stardom because I absolutely love the product and I love the positive feedback that we keep getting each and every episode from all the fantastic listeners but I just wasn't sure where I was going to fit it you know I'm just a busy person working a couple jobs just you know making ends meet and paying for my comic book habit obviously wrestling as much as humanly possible Working out uh, every day is very, very important to me. And obviously the most important thing is uh, being a really good dad and really good father. So I you know, I had to make time for my girls. So I was figuring out if I was going to have the time to do the podcast. So a few days after I talked to Rob, he put the message up on social media saying he was stepping down. Almost immediately I got a whole bunch of messages saying how much the podcast has meant to them. And not only the podcast, but stardom, how it's helped them, helped you, the listeners, with their mental health. Uh, you know, I was taken aback by that. Not only was my words encouraging and helping people out throughout their day, but just stardom in general. So 
I kind of thought it was my responsibility to continue the podcast. You know, I, I, lear, I live by a lot of credos in my life. And uh, one of them is that we're all in this together. And what I mean by that is we're all in life together and we all got to help each other out. So uh, Rob, graciously, the great man that he is, he gave me the keys of the kingdom. And he, he said, hey, man, it's all yours. So uh, another credo I live by, if it's important to you and you don't have time, you got to make time. So I'm going to make time for this podcast each and every week. I'm going to make sure that it's all taken care of. So you're going to be getting a podcast at least once a week because I'm going to be making sure that I make the time to record these episodes. Now, I've gotten a lot of questions about the Patreon. The Patreon will 100% continue. No problem. I already have my notes. I know that we owe you stardom, ex-stardom 2019. My notes are all done. Finished. Boom. The next Patreon after that is going to be Mayu Iwatani's second World of Stardom title range from 2019 to 2020. I'm about halfway done with that, halfway done with the notes. And then I do remember a few months ago on the poll, the B. Priestley uh, World of Stardom Championship uh, title reign won the poll as well. So I'm going to be working on that as well. And I'm going to get those out to you as soon as possible. I'm going to have some new equipment coming to uh, that I ordered. Should be at my place of residence in about four or five days. So once I get that set up, I'm going to be pumping out these podcasts pretty quick. Also, if I can, and I'm pretty sure I can do it, I have something special for the Red Belt Tier Patreon members. I don't want to say what it is because I'm not 100% sure I can do it, but I'm like 90, 95% sure that, uh, that I can get it done. So uh, there's going to be a lot of really good content coming out. Again, I'm just really not tech savvy when it comes to this stuff, so you're going to have to bear with me. As always, and I, I'm going to use, I like to use sports terms, I'm going to use a, a, a pro football term, and by football I mean over here in America. So basically Rob is and always will be the quarterback of this podcast. This is his podcast and will always be his podcast. I'm just the backup quarterback filling in. I'm going to get sacked, folks. I'm going to fumble. I'm going to throw some interceptions. I'd like to get a couple first downs. I'll take a couple field goals, and maybe somewhere down the line I'll throw some touchdowns. So am I going to fail? Absolutely. But I'm going to fail forward, and that's sometimes that's half the fun is just learning from your failures. So any advice or anything that you want to hear, you guys know how to get a hold of me. So as far as Rob goes, I don't know how long he's going to be you know, stepping away for it. Could be a month, could be a year, could be two years. He may come back a few episodes here or there. That's completely up to him. I do talk to him every uh, every few days, check in on him, you know, and uh, he, he is doing well. And if you are listening, Rob, man, we love you. We love you. We, this obviously would not be uh, here without you. You know, this is your baby. And whenever you're ready to come back again, whether it's full-time, part-time, you want to come back a couple times a year, the, the chair is yours, my friend. I will hot tag you in anytime. All right, now that we got that out of the way, let's get into the main event. Let's talk about one of the best stardom shows I've ever seen. I put this one right up there with uh, last December's Dream Queendom as probably the you know number one or 1A best stardom shows I've ever seen. So we're going to do the review. I'm going to do the uh, Wrestling Observer Dave Meltzer star reviews that me and Rob always do for every match. And if you're new to the podcast, and forget how I do this is... Every match starts off with three stars, uh, and if it's good, it's clean, the psychology's there, there's nothing sloppy, you know, you, you, you move up from that. Obviously, if there's no psychology and there's no effort being put into it, then I take away from the three stars. But I always start off with the uh, three star, um, the gentleman's three stars, as Rob would always say. So this show took place in front of almost 1,900 people just a few weeks ago. I'm really excited. This is very important for me to... Uh, to review this show because uh, again this is one of the best stardom shows i've ever seen and as far as wrestling shows overall wrestling shows 
this ranks right up there with the AEW Revolution pay-per-view from a few months ago. And folks, let me tell you, I watch a lot of wrestling. Don't tell anybody. That, that, that's our secret. So let's jump into it. Uh, match zero, the, uh, the pre-show match. Lady C, Hina, Amy Sori versus Sai Ito, Momokogo, and Rina. I thought this was really good. One of the better pre-show matches didn't wear out. It's welcome. Did what it needed to do. A lot of uh, stiff shots between Amy Sori and Saida, and then uh, Lady C and uh, Saida as well. I thought it was smart putting Momokogo over, letting her get the pinfall, considering the fact of uh, the, you know the challenge she laid out later in the night, which we'll get to. Match number one: Future of Stardom Championship. Hana defending against Ruaka. Uh, I really enjoy how these pay-per-views start with the Future of Stardom Championship. It's a really good way to you know, get the crowd going, getting the, uh, the energy in the building going. These matches only go six or seven minutes. Uh, I thought this was really good. Uh, Ruaka's offense is starting to get a little bit better. And Hannon, uh, she uses a lot of her big moves uh, in her comeback, which makes sense. You only have five, six, seven minutes. You only get maybe three, four minutes of offense in. So, you know, the rocker dropper, uh, the Hannon special, the backdrop driver, she got all that in as she built towards the finish. And, and she won, wind up winning with the Lamai, a version of the Lamai Straw Cradle, like a very like Jushin Thunder Liger style-esque uh, finish. So I uh, really enjoyed a good way to start off the pay-per-view. I had that one at three and a quarter star. Okay, now we're going to go into the match that I thought over over delivered the most i mean you look at this card and it's a completely stacked card you're kind of like well if you can kind of miss one match to me it would have been this one and shame on me because this one really really over delivered you have the cosmic angels team yunagi waka and mina shirakawa versus the prominence team of sumi fujita and uh suzu suzuki and suzu suzuki she's she's just a huge she's gonna be a huge star as if she isn't already i'm super excited to see what she's gonna do uh, coming up in the five star here coming up in just a few months well the match is really built around suzu and waka her offense is just absolutely brutal uh re really brutal you know towards waka i liked how that every time waka got in a, a little bit of trouble like as the offense was ramping up on her that mean and yunagi would come in and cut her off and it would be like a one-two punch and i'm really really impressed on how good mina and yunagi are both improving not only as singles wrestlers but tag wrestlers as well and i like to see them get a push you know somewhere down the line I like to see them have a couple series of matches, you know, with FWC, with maybe Sherry and Mirai. Uh, who knows? Maybe with even uh, Tam and uh, Kari. You know, uh, you know, they they have this little makeshift team going. You know, with the White Knights, um, obviously Mike and Himika. That's a match I'd like to see with Mina and Yunagi. But I thought that was really good. Uh, their double team, like I said, their double teams were really good. They were uh, spot on. And Waka, you kind of knew what was going to happen here. Obviously, Suzu Suzuki being announced for the five-star. Waka is in the match. You know, poor Waka, she she took a beating like a champ. I mean, she showed a lot of fire and a lot of really, you know, good comeback spots there. But eventually, you know, the prominence team was just too, too much. Suzu Suzuki hit this beautiful stalling uh, German suplex, almost like Mayu Itani's two-stage dragon suplex. It was like a two-stage dragon, or excuse me, German suplex. Uh, I thought this was really, really good. Like, did not wear out its welcome at all. It was given the, the proper time. Three and three-fourth stars for me. Okay, and then we're going to go to our second title match of the evening for the high-speed championship. Azumi, the champion, defending against Tekla. Uh, this match, is for all the high-speed matches that I've seen over the past year plus, and then just me going back into the back catalog and watching a lot of the high-speed matches, this one like had the most psychology. Uh, high-speed matches are usually like kind of bing, bang, boom, you know, get in a lot of really cool spots, don't blink, uh, try to breathe as much as humanly possible because, you know, these ladies are going 100 miles an hour, but this one was had layers of psychology to it, which made it different and uh, made it really exciting for me. So Tekla and Azumi, they start off with their 
high-speed offense, you know, as you know, as par. You know, that's that, that's the way to get it started. You know, to you know, jumpstart the match. And then Azumi goes after Tekla's arm. I mean, you know, makes sense. Tekla's a powerhouse, obviously in fantastic shape. Oh, and by the way, I love Tekla's new look. First, I didn't like her haircut, but with the haircut, with the braids, and then the new uh, the new gear, I think she looks fantastic. I mean, she's just she improves every aspect uh, every time that she comes out. You know, it's not it's one thing to improve bell to bell, but she's improving curtain to curtain. Even her promos and everything have really really come along since she uh, she joined stardom at, at the beginning of this year but anywho so yeah she goes zumi goes right after tecla's arm you know makes sense zumi you know she's always going for the you know trying to feed in for the arm bar and the uh the numero uno uh, eventually tecla winds up getting in some really really clean shots i mean she hit some bombs on azumi with some of those forms they were brutal i mean they were in there and azumi was feeding properly i mean the way you know, she was feeding in and selling in. I mean, everything was crisp, clean, but uh, Tecla was really tagging poor Azumi with some of these shots. And then she goes after Azumi's leg, which, again, this, that psychology makes sense. Azumi's the faster of the two. You kind of want to take away one of those wheels. There's even a really cool spot where Azumi gets back on the offense, and she goes for the double stomp, and she misses. And she stops, and she, she gets her leg jarred out, and then uh, Tecla just takes her knee right back out. Like, very, very 1970s, very 80s, you know, going right back to the right back to the knee. Um, Azumi winds up getting the advantage back with some really uh, crisp kick, kicks. Um, she goes back to the arm with the arm bar and then locks in the numero uno. Oh, that thing was on tight. Uh, you can see just poor Tecla screaming. Eventually, the ref calls for the bell, verbal tap out. We find out. About a week or so later, that tackle is going to be out with an injury. And I think, because I went back and watched this match, I think that this is where it happened. Because at the end of the match, Zumi gets, tries to shake Tekla's hand. And Tekla, instead of pushing her, just kicks her. And she's holding her shoulder. So I don't know what exactly the injury is. Uh, the one good thing about this match, well, a lot of good things about this match, is it kind of left you wanting more. And the fact that they had this little you know push apart at the end of the match shows me that you're getting more. I mean, look, this is match you know three. Out of a you know eight match card where every single championship's on the line, this match is you you're not going to litter this with time. You need to kind of get in, get out. If you want to tell a story later, you're going to. I mean, I can see them putting this in the main event at a Cork and Hall show somewhere down the line, maybe right before the five star, or maybe right after the five star. And uh, I see Tekla getting uh, getting getting her win back. I see them having a much longer match. And I see uh, Tekla getting the win and winning the High Speed Championship. Again, I really enjoyed this. A lot of it was uh, with the psychology. I had this at a solid four stars. Match number four, um, the SWA Championship. Mayu Iwatani defending against Oedo Tai's Fukin De Death. I'm just going to get the negative right out of the way here, folks. Fukin Death should have been disqualified several times for hitting Mayu with the paper and for the abuse on the referee. That's just my little joke. Um, I thought this was uh, this was another really really fun match. Uh, I'm a huge huge Star Wars fan, so I got a real kick out of that. Uh, that death came out to the like the Star Wars crawl on the video screen. I don't know what it said because I don't speak Japanese or I can read Japanese, but I thought that was uh, that was a really cool a really cool touch. And you know, going into this match, I mean, no disrespect to Death, but like you're not getting a, a Mayu versus Io Shirai match. But goddamn, she really brought it. I mean, Chaos Theory, she tried a moonsault. Uh, the match was really good. She did her entertaining comedy spots in there. And Mayu, you know, just, it's just Mayu. I mean, she she can't miss. As I say on the show, she can wrestle a sheep, a broom, a dolphin, and a goat. And all would be, you know, pretty solid. Um, Mayu winds up getting the win with a tombstone, pile driver, moonsault, moonsault combination, uh, three and a half stars. 
we move on to one of the bigger matches that wasn't a championship match. The Queen Quest team of my of uh, excuse me, Utami and Miyu versus the uh, the new tag team, the White Knights of Kari and Tam Nakano. Um, folks, this is I love this match. I love this match. This is the perfect blueprint of how to build a rookie babyface. Obviously, Utami's established. She's just coming off this massive long run with the red belt and is one of the favorites to win the five star. Tam is another favorite uh, in the five star as well and is coming off a long run at, with the white belt as well. Actually, Utami and Tam lost their, champ their respective championships on the same show. Uh, the Dream Queendom show at the end of the year. And Kari's obviously super established, you know, one of the, the three daughters of stardom, one of the pillars, you know, of stardom. And obviously she came over here to the States and uh, pretty well, did very well in NXT and pretty well in the WWE roster as well. So Miyu is obviously, you know, the X factor here. You know, she's a rookie. Kari was saying that she was going to beat her up. And they did a really good job when they showed, um, they showed the, the before the match, they showed Yuzuki Akawa beating the uh, the crap out of poor Kari when she was a rookie. I was kind of hoping they maybe they would have uh, fast forward a few years later to some of the Mako Satomura beatings that par poor Kari endured, <laughs> but then she also fired back and gave a beating back as well. But uh, that's another story for another day. But yeah, uh, so Kari starts off with Miyu and he's just beating on her, beating on her, beating on her. Tags in Tam, Tam's beating on her, beating on her, beating on her. Kari's tags back in, she's beating. It almost was like uncomfortable. Like how much they were beating on this poor rookie. It reminded me a lot of like early 80s Rock and Roll Express versus the Andersons. Not only just like Ole and Arn, but even if you even go back to even further, some of the Ole and Gene stuff. Or it was just this, this long, long like beating on poor Ricky Morton. And you're just like, when is this beating ever going to end? And then they would get the hot tag to Robert Gibson. And then the place would explode. And that's what happened eventually. Even Tam was doing some heel stuff. by like uh, Miyu would get so close to tagging in Utami and... Tam would go and pull, like, Vala, the Midnight Express, would pull Utami off the apron. So it was like you got a little little bit of heel stuff coming on there for the White Knights. And I was kind of confused on where they were going. Eventually, Utami comes in. She comes in as a house of fire. She hits all of her big moves, German suplexes, clothesline strikes. Everything looks good. I mean, Utami's just, you know, she's a star. And for someone who's only been doing this a handful of years, she's another one that just wrestles way, you know, above her, above her years. And is one of the best, not only in the company, but, you know, in the world, in my opinion, in any, any company, any country, in any genre. Uh, she's just, she's just fantastic. And then they wind up getting a little heat on Utami and, uh, Miyu gets tagged back in and I thought okay where's this gonna go Miyu comes in and she comes right after Kari drops her with a couple forearms it's just raining down MMA style forms on her and then goes and takes the armbar and the crowd just explodes I'm like that's where they were going with this they were waiting for her to come back as if like I'm not taking this beating anymore I'm gonna stand up for myself I don't care that Tam is you know one of the one of the top tier wrestlers in this company and that Kari is a legend and still in her prime and you know still kicking ass I'm gonna stand up for myself so I thought that was really good uh, they had a nice series uh, with uh, with Miyu and Kari with Miyu getting a lot of almost near pinfalls on Kari and she even hit her finisher that set out a uh, pedigree. I don't know what the name is and uh, I mean please correct me if, if there is a name for it. And even not only did she hit her with it, Tam had to break up the pinfall, which I thought that was good. Be one thing if Kari kicked out of it, but like you can make the argument that had Tam not been there to super kick uh, Miyu's face and that was a heck of a super kick she threw, that Miyu could have very easily gotten the pinfall on Kari. So uh, Tam comes in. Super kick Miyu to the face. Uh, Tam and Utami, they go at it. And I, I can't wait to see a long singles match with these two because we got a little sample of it at the Cinderella tournament. And then we have the Utami stuff that's been happening you know, on these uh, quote-unquote road two shows. 
So uh, I thought that uh, that's the stuff between the two of them was really good. Tam winds up wiping out uh, Utami with a really, really good plancha. And then uh, Kari hits the stiffest spinning back fist I've seen slash heard her hit since she defended the wipeout against Konami. And then uh, the picture perfect insane elbow for the win. I, I thought this was absolutely terrific. I had this one at uh, four and a quarter stars. Again, this was just the perfect way to build a rookie baby face and me who's already wrestling well above her years. This is just gonna this is just another feather in her cap. And um Kari winds up telling uh Kari winds up challenging you Tommy. So that's a, a match somewhere we're gonna get down the road. I'm thinking maybe before the five star or you know I'm hoping Kari is in the five star because there's a lot of dream matches that's gonna happen there. Um, obviously Tam and Utami have uh, a lot of stuff to settle as well. Okay now we move on into the um Goddess of Stardom champ, Tag Team Championships, uh, the Donald DeMundo team of, excuse me, the Donald DeMundo team of Julia and Mai Sakurai versus FWC, Hazuki, and Koguma. This was, they did, Stardom going into this match did a really good job of building up Mai Sakurai. You know, she's getting wins uh, in these multi-person matches, and then she got that flash pin over Koguma, so they did a really good job building her up. Hazuki... Her her aggression and her strikes really. I mean, she's always been a really good striker, always shown really aggression. But this was on a completely different level, especially to her stuff towards Julia. Um, and that was like almost like a match within a match. I mean, they were just rapid fire headbutts, rapid fire forearm slaps. I mean, their stuff looked it looked like it was a struggle. It looked like it was a struggle, like it was a real fight between these two, which really ramped up the intensity uh, in this match. And I then um, you break them down into the tag teams. Both Julia and my Sakurai were hitting a lot of really good uh, tag team, uh, double team moves. Their timing, their pacing, where it was in the ring, really good stuff. And then, you know, you flip it over to FWC. Obviously, they're the tag champs uh, for a reason. All their tag stuff, as always, looks really good, really crisp. Timing was really good. You know, the way they built up their tag moves was really good. Uh, eventually, <laughs> stuff spills outside with uh, Hazuki and Julia. I mean, they're really going at it. So it basically almost leaves a singles match with Koga and Mai Sakurai. Koga hits this pretty perfect top rope cutter near fall. Uh, she goes for the top rope body splash, misses it, and this is just the genius of stardom. Just the little seeds that they plant along the way into this big match is she misses the splash, and Mai Sakurai uses the uh, the trip hookup pin that she used to pin Koguma just a, a week or so before the show and gets a, a near three count. Even the crowd really, really almost bit on it. Uh, eventually, they wind up going back and forth, and uh, Koguma winds up uh, putting May down and then winds up hitting the, the top rope splash for the three count. I had this one at four and a quarter stars as well, just like the last tag match. If I'm going to be a little bit nitpicky, uh, the Hazuki Julia stuff brawling in the crowd, I think it might have taken away a little bit from the finish because if you're in that crowd, what are you watching? Are you watching Koguma and Mai Sakurai in the ring? Or you're watching Julia, who's one of the biggest stars in the company, and Hazuki, who I think is, as far as star power goes, uh, just is a little bit bigger than Koguma. So you're going to watch the two of them wildly brawl throughout the, the crowd. I think that might have taken away from the finish. Maybe just a little bit. I could be right, could be wrong. Uh, how I would have done it, I would have had the two of them brawl to the back and then give uh, Mei and... Um, Koguma the last you know minute and a half two minutes to finish the deal and then maybe a couple seconds after the three count maybe have Julia and uh, Hazuki come back through the crowd brawling because it looks like that's going to set up a uh, a singles match there and Julia just she's, she seems to have a lot of enemies you know she's got Hazuki obviously you know that stuff with Tam they they seem to bring back all the time um, when they're doing these multi-person Donald Dumundo versus Cosmic Angels matches um, obviously she still has a little something with Mayu going on there and the prominent stuff as well 
So, and then obviously Donald Mundo's feuding with God's Eye because uh, it's, you know, God's Eye is made up, you know, two thirds of former uh, Donald Mundo um, members. So she's got a lot of enemies, but they have a lot to do with her. I mean, Julia's fantastic. So they have, a, she has a lot of different dance partners to dance with between now and the end of the year. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do with her with the five star. Moving on, match number seven. We have the Artists of Stardom Championships, the champions, My Himapoy, uh, Micah Himika and Natsapoy of Donald Del Mundo taking on the Oedotai team of Saki Kashima, Momo Watanabe, and Starlight Kid. I'm just going to come right off the bat. This is the greatest Artists of Stardom Championship match I've ever seen. Um, if there's one that you think is better, drop me a line. Let me know. Um, I would love to go back and uh, to watch it just to see, you know, maybe what you liked and it's everybody that there's no right answer there's no wrong answer it's everybody's opinion but this was and maybe it's just recency recency uh, bias here but this was the best artist of stardom championship match uh, that i've ever seen i thought this was really good and really this match was just built around even though you have six fantastic competitors it was built around one move you know the the uh the kishikishai you know the revival uh, that saki's been getting a lot of wins with i mean she attempted it two or three times before the finish but uh we'll get to that in a second Micah and Himika, the way that they come off the ropes with their shoulder tackles and their clotheslines. I mean, we always joke on this podcast that they could put them in the high-speed division and they could be running 70, 80 miles an hour coming off the rope. I mean, they're two of the stronger and bigger uh, members of the stardom roster, and they're just drilling poor Saki and poor Starlight Kid with these shoulder tackles. I mean, they're just going so fast, so fast. And then, obviously, speaking of fast, you have not to point Starlight Kid uh, starting off the match with their normal high-speed offense, which I thought was good. But I thought it was cool how... how um, the down Dumbundo team got slowed down. I mean, it makes sense if you're going to roll over the two smaller members with your uh, with your high impact offense. Who's going to slow it down? But one Momo Watanabe kick, and I absolutely love that. I just love it how she just just takes one or two strikes or one or two kicks, and she can kind of slow it down and bring it down to her pace. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Uh, the Wado Tai offense or a uh, Wado Tai interference didn't take away too too much from this match. I don't particularly care for interference in wrestling, but since they're the only faction that really does it and it kind of made sense here with six other people in the match uh didn't take away too too much from the match i did bite really hard on the fall see where himika gets hit with the uh i believe it was the, the kendo stick and she gets caught in the kishi kasai and uh I, I mean everybody you know pretty much got caught on that you know micah hits that uh, winds up uh hitting that picture perfect a middle rope you know all of you know cowboy bob orton superplex on the tasaki i thought that was really good a lot of near falls a lot of really good stuff and eventually it comes down to natsupoi and uh and saki and there's a point where saki gets natsupoi in the kishikasai and she gets a two count and then it gets reversed and you think natsupoi is gonna you know hang on you know gonna basically catch her in a counter for the three count she winds up kicking out poi hits the uh what i call the uh the no bridge uh german suplex where she basically just you know throws her and she doesn't land and then she goes for the straight jacket german suplex and usually which we've seen put a ton of opponents away and uh saki winds up countering it and gets her in the kishikasai and winds up getting the three count i thought that was awesome and another thing i thought that was really good is when they're building towards the end of this match 90 percent of the uh the pinfall attempts or submissions were all getting broken up so it's like you could have said, well, that was the finish from Momo onto, you know, onto Himika or whoever. They were all getting broken up. So it just goes to show you the danger. It's like, oh, if, they, if a member of a Wado Tai didn't get in at a certain amount of time, that could have been the three count. That could have been the finish. Or if, you know, the member of Donald Mundo didn't come in for the save, that could have been the finish there. So I thought that was really good how they built it up, how anything could have been the finish. And that's a point. We, like I said, we've seen her win several matches with those two 
uh, German suplexes back to back. Second one gets countered. She gets rolled up in the uh, record-setting reign of my him poi is over. I'm excited to see what they're going to do with uh, Momo, Starlight Kid, and um, and uh, Saki Kashima. I thought that I said I thought this was absolutely fantastic. I had this one at four and three fourth stars. Speaking of fantastic. I mean, this is one of the best matches I've seen all year. The uh, next match, we're going to talk about match number eight, Mirai, the uh, 2022 Cinderella champion, uh, challenging Sayakamatani for the Wonder of Stardom Championship, the white belt. Uh, like I said, this is one of the best matches I've seen all year, and I've seen a lot of good ones. We've seen, it just seems like Saya and Shuri, and Izumi as well, it seems like all their title matches like can't miss. It's like one after another after another. It's, it's, it's fantastic. And I put something out on social media last week that I've never, in all the years I've been watching wrestling, it's like 35 years, and all the promotions I've been watching, and I've been watching a lot of promotions, I've never seen a company treat their top two champions like they are doing with uh, Sherry with the red belt and Sai with the white belt. I mean, it's almost like they're trying to outdo each other and like who's the better wrestler, like what belt is most important. Uh, and at the end of the day, that's just really good for business because, again, there's a lot of good dance partners that are coming up for uh, to challenge for these belts. But well, let's get into the match. Uh, Sai does a really good job right off the back targeting Mariah's uh, lower back. And uh, Mariah does a really good job selling. Eventually, as, as the, the back gets a little bit more ramped up, um, Mariah realizes, you know, a little sense of urgency. She's got to start using her striking and her power to take over on Saya. And she winds up, uh, they wind up fighting out to the apron. And Saya winds up, uh, excuse me, Mariah winds up hitting Saya with the, uh, the half and half um, suplex. Well, almost like a, like a full Nelson suplex onto the, um, a full Nelson like fall away suplex, excuse me, onto the apron. So, uh, and that's how basically Mariah gets the advantage. Uh, and this match, really, I mean, it had me on the edge of my seat just because I didn't know who was winning. Like, sometimes you can tell, like, okay, like, for in the main event, we know that they're not going to put the prominence member over Sherry. But it doesn't take away, you know, from the match, from, from my enjoyment of the match. But when you have somebody's built up as well as Mariah's, uh, it, it, it adds so much enjoyment because I really didn't know uh, who was going to win. Saya was my pick, but at the same time, you know, this was a coin flip. Um, again, uh, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked here. Uh, several near, fall, near falls, really good uh, fast-paced action. Again, they're back and forth. The selling was really good. Saya really brought her striking here. That was like the one hole in her game that I would say is her striking uh, when she goes up against like the Sherry's, the Tams, the the Momos, they're, the Utami's. They're not on that same level. She needs to work on her striking a little bit. She brought it here. I mean, she was really going toe-to-toe with Mirai. Eventually, she gets a really big advantage. She hits the Star Crusher. She goes for the Phoenix Splash, and uh, she eats it. She eats it, and if you go back and watch it, the selling in this and the timing between these two is absolutely perfect. She eats it. When she comes up, she's looking at her left arm like she just took the bump, almost like Kota, not that I want to reference an injury, almost like when Kota Ibushi, you know, dislocated his shoulder and his arm at the final of uh, last year's G1 against uh, Kujutsuko Okada, and they had to stop the match. So she, she misses it. She comes up, and she sells the arm just enough where Mirai sees that it's hurt, and she goes right after it with a double wrist lock, which I absolutely love. And the crowd's really, really at a, you know, at a fever pitch here because Mirai winning all these matches, it's been three things. You know, the Mirai shock, the uh, left-handed Lariat, and the double wrist lock is basically the three things that she's been going to. So she has more than one way to win, which getting into a co-main event for a championship match just breaks out the drama just even more. So she has it locked in. Saya winds up getting to the ropes. They go back and forth a little bit. She drills Saya with his left-handed Lariat. I mean, Saya's feed was perfect she took like a shooting star bump from it absolutely perfect gets a near fall there 
eventually she picks it up for the Miramirai shock. Not only does she pick her up, but she gives her like the airplane spin. So it's like a super one. So she hits it, and I thought it was it. I thought it was it. I was actually sitting on the couch next to uh, next to my wife, and she actually picked Mariah, and I picked Saya. It was one of the few matches that we had picked different, so it made the enjoyment for this match, uh, e you know, even better. So she hits it with that, and I thought, oh, Jesus, is it? You know, she got a really good hook of the leg. She's you know nowhere near the ropes. Saya kicked out. I was shocked. I was like, I thought that would be it. Saya winds up countering with a reverse Rana. They're both down. They're both selling. Saya hits this uh, leg lariat, and it looked like, and go back and watch, it looked like she wrapped her leg around Mariah's head. I mean, it was, and man, it was in there. It was safe because she caught her with the uh, the side of, uh, of her knee pad. But, I mean, she had this thing perfect. She hits the Star Crusher. She hits the Phoenix Splash. And I'll be honest, she hit the Phoenix Splash, and the way that she covered her, she only, like, had like a half-ass cover on her because of the arm. And I thought, well, Saya got out of the double wrist lock. She got out, she kicked out of the left-handed lariat. She kicked out of the Amir Mirai shock. I really thought there's a good possibility that Mirai was going to kick out of the Phoenix Splash. You know, nobody has yet, but I mean, the way they built Mirai up, and they, you can always say, well, she kind of didn't have a full cover because of the arm. So that's really, you know, once she covered her, I really thought she was kicking out. She didn't, um, didn't matter. Like I said, this match was fantastic. Another phenomenal defense from Saya Kamatani. I mean, you can make an argument, what's her best defense? You know, was it the Micah match? Was it the Tam? Was it the Utami? You know, some people like the Natsu point. Uh, I think this one's my favorite. I had this one at five stars. I thought this was just an absolute fantastic match, and I hope this is a match that we see them run back, you know, sometime soon. Hopefully they're in the same bracket as a five star. Uh, we shall see. Moving on to the main event, Risha Sarah challenging the World of Stardom champion, Shuri. Um, a little confused on the, the rules here because I thought it was no disqualification. And the only way that you can win was by submission or knockout. And there was a lot of times where the ref was like enforcing the rules. Like Sherry did a double leg takedown on the outside, which I thought was really cool. And then she was on top of her, like raining down forearms and like she was trying to pull, a, trying to pull an arm bar uh, coming out of it. And the ref's like, no, you got to get back in the ring. Even like they had a like prominence had to blind the ref a, a couple times for the interference. And uh, there was a couple times where like they were in the ropes for submissions and the ref had to break it up. So I was a little confused on that because I was like, well, if, if you can't win or lose by disqualification, then what's the point of going to the ropes? Like if the only way you can win is by uh, knockout or uh, knockout or tap out, then you can't get disqualified. So hold on one sec. Sorry, folks, the one-man show. I'm trying to take a, a breath from here to here. But um, other than that, though, I thought it was really, really good. Um, why is this here winds up using the kendo stick to get the advantage? Makes sense. You know, uh, prominence is more of the deathmatch style. Sherry's more of the MMA shooter style. I thought it was really cool. Kind of was like her main weapon is the kendo stick, where Sherry's main weapon is on her body. You know, the... Uh, the hands, the knees, the elbows, the kicks, you know, the submission. It's like, you know, you're the ultimate weapon. So I, I, I thought that was pretty cool. It's like, yeah, you have that one weapon, but if you lose that weapon, you know, I got you. You know, I got your ass where my weapons are attached <laughs> attached to my body. So, uh, I mean, Sherry just, she's so fantastic at what she does. There's one point in this match, and I, <laughs> I know you. everybody probably wants me to reference it, and I think, you know, everyone knows if you've seen this match what I'm talking about. Where Sherry's on her knees and Arisa Sarah just take waffles shearing the head with that kendo stick like Barry Bonds Mark McGuire style waffles her and I remember saying out loud saying well there's gonna be a receipt for that 
because that's how it usually goes in wrestling you know especially sherry she's you know she's the home she's the home uh, promotion person you know she's stardom going up against you know the, the invading faction of prominence so you know there's going to come up and, and boy there sure was uh, she you know eventually sherry winds up getting the advantage out well she gets the excuse me she gets the kendo stick and she breaks them too and i thought she was going to like almost magnum ta tully blanchard her when she was gonna like stab her in her eye or something but Needless to say, that didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> she might have been better off if it did because Sherry just winds up dropping bombs. I mean, forearms, knees. She winds up punt kicking her uh, <laughs> into next week. And the finish was great. You know, she lock, locks on the rear naked choke. Uh, one of my go-to holds uh, in wrestling. And um, obviously, there's nowhere for her to go. Prominence throws in the towel. And uh, we get the finish. And uh, ending to a, a great show. Uh, four and a half stars. And then we also got, you know, sorry, I'm uh, glancing over that. We actually have some challengers, too, coming up for the uh, next few shows. Uh, after Zumi's win, we saw Momokogo get in the ring and challenge her. So we're going to see Momokogo versus Zumi high-speed match coming up soon. Uh, and that's something that I talked about that I thought it would be smart maybe to put some of these newer people in stardom into the high-speed division just to, you know, kind of see what they're going to do. Uh, we didn't get anything with Mayu because we don't know what's going to happen with the SWA title. She's going to come over here to the States uh, or whatnot. So not sure there. Um, no really set challengers yet for the tag belts, but uh, we did get obviously for um, Sai Kamatani's white belt. Again, she just had this you know banger five star match, and Starlight Kid comes in. You know she just won the artist you know one third the artist stardom championship. So now we got a Sai Kamatani versus Starlight Kid match. There's no way that uh, that's going to be a miss. And uh, as excited as I am for all those matches that they teased. Nowhere near, no disrespect to any of these ladies, but nowhere near as excited for uh, the challenge that awaits Sherry probably next as Momo Watanabe. We've been talking about it since I joined this podcast late last year and when she turned to go to Wado Tai that uh, it was all to set up her red belt challenge and it's coming somewhere down the line, probably uh, before the five star or you know, maybe they go to a draw and then Momo wins the five star and they run it back. I don't know, but we're going to have a Momo versus Sherry match coming up somewhere down the pike. So, um, thoroughly excited for that. Uh, what they started is just such a great job laying the groundwork for future shows. So, uh, so that's a wrap on that. I know there's a lot to talk about. Steel cage match coming up, you know, Azumi's injury, Tekla's injury. I'll get all into that uh, later on, you know, in a few days uh, when I record my next episode. There's uh, two shows. I believe the one from the 4th and 5th just went up on Stardom World. Uh, I'll be watching those over the next day or two. I'll review them. We'll talk about the two cage matches, the next pay-per-view coming up, the press conference, all that. But the, my main crux for this podcast, we just want to let everybody know that uh, that the stardom cast is back like i said it's going to be a one-man show from time to time we might have some visitors stopping in but um i also wanted to you know like i said make everybody aware that uh you, you know pay attention to the feed because there's gonna be a lot of content coming in you know in the next seven to ten days a uh, big shout out to my man sean who's uh helping me out with a lot of the editing and everything and um him and his uh his beautiful wife who i just met uh, just uh, yesterday that um, they actually have a podcast of own. You know, we talk about a lot, you know, what about mental health. You know, obviously, we're just coming up on the uh, anniversary of Hannah Kimura's passing. And my buddy Sean, you know, the editor of this podcast, he does a podcast with his wife called The Illest Couple. 
So, um, and I know a lot of people have reached out to me that a lot of times that they're going through some mental health issues. So by all means, guys, you know, check out their podcast. You know, it's free. You know, just type in The Illest Couple and, uh, you know, give a listen. Sean is a really, really, really good guy. And uh, he's really, you know, I, I'm not too, too good with technology. So he's walking me through all of this with uh, with baby steps. And he's just, he's just a really good dude. So uh, thanks to Sean for doing this. Thanks for uh, everybody listening and hanging in. Like I said, the Patreon. It's, uh, it's going to be coming, you know, fast and furious. And like I said, I, for your Red Belt tier members, I got something super special in the works. Like I said, I'm 90% sure that I can do it. I'll probably know 100% sure uh, whether I can do it or not by the next time I, uh, I film. So if you're thinking about joining the Patreon, now's a really good time because there's a lot of stuff coming for our White Belt and Red Belt tier members. If you're a high-speed member and or a White Belt member and you're thinking of bumping up for a couple extra bucks a month to the Red Belt tier member, just listen to the next podcast. I'll let you know what we got going on with that. So um, with that, guys, I'm going to sign off. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to get a hold of me, I'm on Twitter and Facebook. Just search uh, Matt Turner, uh, OF, and um, excuse me, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's been a long day. <laughs> not not Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Sorry, Matt Turner OF, and obviously, uh, you know, reach out to uh, you want to reach out uh, to the Stardom Cast as well. That's where you can find me as well. So again, guys, thank you so much for listening, and uh, thanks for hanging on. And like I said, we're back. We're back, baby. We're back in a big way. I appreciate. Uh, all the support. Um, everybody have yourself a great day. Stay safe. And if anybody needs anything, you know how to get a hold of me. All right. Remember, we're all in this together. Love you all. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.